All right, we continue with our Faith Walkers series. Started back in 2006. We haven't been on it quite that long. We took a few years off, but uh, we worked on it during 2006, and we looked for some heroes from the Bible to teach us about how they walked by faith. And we didn't get a whole lot of them covered in 2006, so we took up the subject again this year. And we're beginning after our introduction, we're beginning with a study of the life of David for a few weeks. Uh, Last week we looked at his training while he was a shepherd and the the beginning of his life, the first few years. Uh, Tonight we tackled the the big story from David uh, when he fought Goliath. So we're going to talk about fighting giants tonight. And our text is in 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to read quite a bit of it just to make sure we got the story right. Uh, Sometimes, you ever notice that when you go back and read a Bible story, there's things in there that you didn't have quite right. Uh, We kind of get it in our head, or we told it enough times to the kids, or something that we think this is the story. But if you read through it, you'll always find something new and different, it seems, and some things that you might have been a little bit... Uh, incorrect on. So we're going to read quite a bit of the text, but I want to make sure we have the story and then we'll see if we can draw some lessons from it. Uh, all of chapter 17, it's a long chapter, a number of pages, uh, and it, I broke it down into sections, which your Bible may already have it broken down into those sections, are pretty natural divisions. Uh, the first three verses talk about where this big battle was. And it was in the valley of Elah, it says down there in verse 2. And somebody that's researched all that and thinks they know where the valley of Elah is says that it's really kind of a canyon. And there's a stream down the middle of it. And from the stream, it slopes up about a half mile on each side to the walls of the canyon. Uh, So if you can picture that, the This translation calls it hills, one army on one hill and one on the other. But they were on these wide slopes uh, facing each other, and that's the way they used to fight battles. One army would line up on one side and one on the other, and they'd either stand there and yell at each other or finally decide to charge each other, and that's how the battles were fought. Well, this one was in this valley, which was custom-made for uh, such a showdown, uh, even had a stream in it with some stones in it, which comes in handy a little bit later. Uh, anyhow, that's the place that we are, and the Israelites are battling the Philistines, lined up on one side against the other. Now, in verses 4 through 7, it introduces the champion of the Philistines, a champion named Goliath. He was from Gath, the city of Gath, and he came out from the Philistine camp, New International says he was over nine feet tall. Uh, If you have an older translation, it may say six cubits and a span. Uh, Cubit is from your elbow to your end of your fingers, and I don't know exactly what mine is. I've never measured it, but uh, most average cubits are about 18 inches, and a span is how wide your hand is. Uh, Mine's 10 inches. Most of them are about nine, so if you add... Six eighteens and a nine, you get nine feet nine inches. Uh, pretty good sized fella. 
uh, nine feet, nine inches tall. In fact, I did a little measuring and thinking about how big that is. Uh, in comparison to me, if I was Goliath, uh, right about there would be a six-foot man. I uh, thought about trying to find somebody that was 46 inches tall and have them come up here, but that would be about the right comparison of a six-foot person, and David may not have been six-foot since he was just a boy, but about six-foot to a nine-foot-nine, or if you want to know for real, uh, the top of that tree right there is nine feet nine inches. So if a normal person or a little boy came over to deal with Goliath, we've got a pretty good champion here. Uh, that's the size of Goliath. It goes on and explains that he wore armor, a coat of mail uh, that weighed so many shekels and that comes out to about 125 pounds. Uh, pretty heavy coat to be wearing in the battle. And he carried a spear that the, the beam of it was like a weaver's beam. And the head of it was so many shekels that comes out to about 15 pounds. So Pretty good spirit to chunk at somebody uh, with a 15-pound head. So uh, we're dealing with a massive individual here, and he's the, the champion of the Philistines. Obviously, they picked him for a reason. Uh, the next few verses, 8 through 16, talk about how this battle went. And it wasn't a battle yet. It was a challenge. Uh, Goliath would come out every day. And he would come out of the Philistine camp and walk down where the Israelites could see him. And the Israelites would come out and line up in their line like they were going to fight. And then Goliath would step out and issue the challenge. And first he would defile the, the, the armies of Israel. And I'm sure he had some horrible things to say about God also, just Jehovah. Uh, but he would say, I defy the ranks of Israel. And then he would say, what are we out here fighting for? Let's choose. Well, you just choose somebody and send him out and I'll fight him. Now, that was fairly common in these days, a representative battle. Instead of everybody having to fight, you just sent two champions out. And that would save a whole lot of trouble and settle things a lot quicker. Uh, you send your champion against our champion, and if our champion wins, then we won. And so that was what Goliath was proposing here. He said, you choose somebody, have him come down to me, and if he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Okay. Uh, sounds like a fairly reasonable challenge until you think nine foot nine and <laughs> all of that uh, gives you a little pause. Not only did it give, give us a pause, it gave Saul a lot of problems. It says there at the end in verse 11, On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Okay, Saul, the, the king of Israel, the one that's a head taller than any of them we learned last week, uh, he was scared to death. He was dismayed and terrified and along with all the rest of them. So, They'd line up, act like they was going to fight. When the Philistine had issued his challenge, we find out later that all the Israelites had turned around and run for their tents. Uh, so this went on for 40 days, we learn later. So that was the challenge. Now, from 17 down through 27, 
uh, and up a little before that were introduced to David, but we learn the story of how David got there and how he got into this mess. Uh, he was still at home shepherding. Remember we talked about how faithful he was in that last week. So he was home shepherding, and Jesse, his daddy, in verse 17, said, Here, take, take this grain and this bread and take it to your brothers, because he had three brothers fighting in the army. His three oldest brothers were in Saul's army, and they were up there at the Valley of Elah. So Jesse had David take them some food, and he sent along some cheese for the commander of the unit, do a little bribery there, see if he could get the boys a little better treatment, but Jesse was taking care of them. And he said uh, for David to go bring back word for how they were doing and cheer them up a little bit, a visit from home. So David took off got all the stuff that he was supposed to take, headed for the camp. When he got there to the Valley of Elah, they were just lining up. It was time for the daily show. Uh, They were just lining up the Philistines against the Israelites. And David, being a young boy, was entranced. This this is cool. Uh, So he left his stuff with somebody to cape it, and he ran down to the front to see what was going on. And... He found his brothers. He was talking to them. And then in verse 23, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Uh, David, this little shepherd boy, his reaction comes later. But he stumbles into this, Goliath comes out, does his thing, curses God, curses Israel, all of that, and David heard it. And then all of a sudden, everybody runs away, his three brothers included, I presume. And so David has got to figure out what's going on here. Uh, He asks the people around him, um, verse uh, 26, middle of verse 26, he says, who is this? uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. Great part of the story. He said, who is this guy? He wasn't worried about the nine foot nine. He was worried about what Goliath was saying. Goliath was cursing God. Goliath was cursing the armies. He said, who is this guy? This uncircumcised Philistine. How does he think he can get away with that? And so they explained to him, well... It's a challenge, and everybody's afraid to fight him. And, in fact, there's a big reward. If somebody will go beat him, you get all sorts of cool things from the king. And so they explain what the prizes are for anybody that could defeat Goliath and all that. And David takes all this in. Now, there's a little interlude here between verse 28 and verse 31. I called it David's opposition, and it's a really strange part of the story. Because, in fact, we hardly ever tell this part of the story when we're telling it in Sunday school, I don't think. Eliab, big brother Eliab, heard David asking people about Goliath and what the reward was and all of that. And so it said he heard him speaking with the men and he burned with anger at him. And he asked, why have you come down here? And who'd you leave those few sheep with in the desert? In other words, who's doing your job? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. 
fact, some scholars think he really said, you came only down to be seen at the battle. Now, where would that come from? Where would Big Brother come up with this? Well, remember what had happened last week. Well, not last, happened last week here. It happened a little before that at Jesse's house. But last week here, we talked about when Samuel came to the house and anointed David after, what? Looking all the other brothers over and saying, Eliab says, it looks pretty good, but God says no. So Eliab had a little jealousy problem probably here. A baby brother had been picked to be king. He knew about that. Probably was harboring a little resentment. And all of a sudden here David shows up at the show and starts asking people about what happens if somebody kills Goliath. So Eliab opposed him. He gave him some grief here. Uh, Picked on him and said, what are you down here for? Who's taking care of the sheep? Uh, you're just trying to get yourself seen and all of that. Now, this is the cool part. Verse 29, David said, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same manner, and the men answered him as before. So Eliab picked on him. We'll talk about this when we get to the lessons. But Eliab picked on him, and David listened to it. But then he was done. He went on about his business. And so Saul heard what was going on uh, and had David brought to him. So verse 32, we get David preparing for the battle. We get what happened there in Saul's tent. Uh, Saul sent for him. He heard there was somebody out there that was talking about whipping Goliath. So Saul said, bring him in. Well, I imagine Saul was a little stunned when David comes in. But anyhow, David came in and right off says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. You know, I don't know what the big deal is. You know, he's just a Philistine. I'll go whip him. And Saul says, you can't do that. You can't go fight the Philistine. You're a boy. And he, he's a trained warrior. He's been fighting all his life. And David said, that's no problem. He said, I, God's been helping me fight all my life. And so he tells Saul the story about the lion and the bear and how they came and tried to kick his sheep and how uh, God helped him. And I, verse uh, 36, your servant killed both the lion and the bear. And the uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. But because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord delivered me from the lion and the paw of the bear. He'll deliver me from this Philistine. That's the way David reasoned. Had a little faith walking in there, isn't there? It, we talked about his training last time and how he was prepared for the bigger problems. When he got to this big problem that had Saul and everybody else quaking in their boots, David said, I don't get what the problem is. This is no thing. I'll go fight him. And so Saul evidently knew he had no other options. This had been going on 40 days. This is day 41 of the abuse by Goliath. So he played all his cards on David. He said, okay, go give it a shot. Uh, I guess he reasoned that 
you know, we're going to lose anyway. At some point, Goliath's going to pick one of us or uh, it's going to be over anyway. So this guy is at least confident I'll send him. And then it gets a little humorous. He says, you, you can't go out there like that. You've got to have armor. You've got to look like a soldier anyway. So Saul gets his stuff and puts it on him, puts his helmet on him, puts his coat of armor on him, gives him all his stuff and his sword. And, of course, Saul was a head taller than all the other Israelites, so obviously this wasn't a perfect fit. Uh, David put everything on, and verse uh, 39 is kind of funny. He says he fastened on the sword over the tunic and tried walking around. <laughs> it didn't work too well. Uh, I can't go in these, he said. I'm not used to them. They're, they're too big. They, this doesn't work. So he took them off, verse 39. So that was how Saul wanted to prepare him for battle, and David said, no, this isn't going to work. Then verse 40, we get the story of the battle. Uh, it says, then he took his staff in his hand, took his little shepherd's staff, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Quite a scene. Uh, meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog? Did you come at me with sticks? you got a shepherd's staff. You'd use that to whip a dog. I am the warrior of the Philistines. The Philistine cursed David by his gods. And he said, come here, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David speaks up and says, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I have come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. That's a speech now. I mean, that's a comeback <laughs> to the, the Goliath guy. Goliath says, come here, I, I'll whip you, and I will feed your carcass to the, the birds and the beasts. And David says, I'll feed all the army to the birds and the beasts. I've got God on my side. you got all the other stuff, but i got what I need. I've got God on my side. And verse 47, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Somebody ought to write a song about that, you know the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, I assume that pushed Goliath over the edge a little bit, that speech from this kid. So he decided to attack, and David ran quickly toward him to meet him. Reached in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, struck the Philistine in the forehead, the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Then David ran and stood over him, took hold of the Philistine's sword, and drew it from the scabbard, and he killed him. He cut off his head with the sword. 
The rest of the story is that the Philistines panicked. They fled. The Israelites went after them. They slaughtered them. Uh, verse 54, David kept the Philistines' head. He took it to Jerusalem uh, to show that he had killed Goliath. And interestingly, in verse 54 there, David took the Philistines' weapons and put them in his own tent. So he got the sword and the spear and took them home with him. So that's the story of the battle. Now, got to learn a few lessons from this if we're going to learn about faith walking. Uh, oh, I forgot to put a little trivia in here for us. Let's take a little break from serious stuff. A little trivia. Ever anybody, anybody ever ask you, why did David pick up five stones? Classic old question. The answer is because Goliath had four brothers. And he thought he might have to whip the other four. Okay. Uh, that actually has a little basis in Bible, and it may very well have been true. And I gave you some of the verses here to help you study that out if you're into, into trivia. Uh, 2 Samuel 21, verses 15 to 22, talk about some other battles that David and his men fought. And in those few verses, there are four giants listed. And David's men killed all of them. David was going to fight the first one, but he got tired and didn't get it done. Uh, somebody stepped in and helped him. But there were four guys killed, and they got all their names in there. And they're called, all of them are called descendants of Rapha in Gath. Okay? Now, it depends which translation you read and all that, but I put all of that in there for you. You can study it. Uh, Rapha is not somebody's name. That wasn't their daddy. Uh, Rapha is a race of giants. Okay. It's, a, it's a bunch of great big guys that <laughs> obviously had some strange genes, uh, but that's the term. Go back in Genesis and you read, uh, they're called the Nephilim. Uh, I gave you Genesis and Numbers and Deuteronomy. You look at all those verses and you'll find them called Nephilim or the Anakim, or NIV calls them simply giants. Uh, if you read Second Chronicles there, it says, uh, or Second Samuel 21, it says all of them were a descendant of the giants. Okay. Uh, now, if you read in Joshua 11, it says that Joshua drove the Anakim out of the hill country, and there were only a few of them left. He destroyed most of them, but the few that were left lived in Gaza or Gath or Ashdod. So there were some big guys in Gath. The, the Nephilim, the Anakim, the, the Rephaim, whatever translation you've got to read about. Uh, there were some guys in Gath, and in Second Samuel 21, it says one of the four giants was named Goliath, but almost all scholars agree there was a piece left out there in the King James, and it should have been the brother of Goliath. Okay, so you put all that together, <laughs> there's four giants, that David and his men killed later. And it says one of them was a, that says they're all descendants of the Rapha. So they were all giants. And one of them was the brother of Goliath. So some people say, okay, these guys were all related. There were five brothers that were all giants. And David and his men killed all five of them. And that's why David picked up five stones. Because he thought the other four might be coming after he killed Goliath. And if you really like trivia... One of those brothers had six fingers and six toes on each hand and each foot. So he had 24 digits, which is just 
that's way cool, you know, just, just to know that. So there's your trivia. So let's get back to serious stuff now. Um, lessons on faith walking. Classic story here. Uh, amazing Bible story to start with. But obviously the connection is perfect for thinking about life. Because facing giants is what we do. We face problems. Some of them seem a lot larger than others, and some people's may seem a lot larger than ours, and, uh, or other people's may seem a lot smaller than yours, but uh, you can relate all of it to facing giants. In fact, there's probably been 10 million sermons preached on the story of David and Goliath and facing giants. Uh, there have been books written about it. I mean, it's just the perfect tie-in to think about this. Uh, whatever the giant is in your life, whatever problem you got coming up tomorrow, I don't know what it is. But if you learn these lessons of faith walking, you can apply it to whatever your giant happens to be. Okay, so I just came up with a bunch of questions. Some of them I found in a few books I read about David and Goliath. Some of them I thought of as I was reading. And we don't have time to really discuss, and this is not a discussion situation, but you can use them to discuss. Like I said last week, if you're in some small group or Bible study thing, pick one of these and think about it sometime. But anyhow, here's a few that I thought of that I thought would help me in my life. Uh, First of all, Goliath didn't come just once. He kept coming. Kept coming 41 days in a row. Uh, Life's problems are like that. They don't just come once and then leave you alone. They just keep coming back uh, until you deal with them. Uh, Goliath was going to come back on day 42 if somebody didn't whip him. And David was the one that finally stopped it. Uh, One other interesting part there is I told you about the valley, uh, how it sloped up from the stream. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, 25 and a... A little better translation than the NIV talks about Goliath kept coming up. Each day he kept coming up, it says. So I I think he was probably getting a little closer to the Israelites every day. He probably started out on his side and issued day one challenge, and day two he got a little closer, and day three at some point he may have crossed the stream and headed up toward the Israelites. He just kept backing them up more every day. Until he was dealt with. Okay. Problems will do that too. They'll just keep getting more and more in your face until you deal with them. Second thing I thought of is David didn't go to the Valley of Elah expecting a fight. And nobody knew that day 41 was going to be special. Nobody knew that Goliath didn't know day 41 is the day I die. And David didn't know day 41 is the one I have this battle. He just went to take some bread. And he got thrown in the middle of the problem. He landed right in the middle of it. He saw somebody cursing God. He said, somebody got to do something about this. We've got to handle this. Okay. So we don't go out every day expecting a huge problem. But sometimes we walk right into the middle of it. Third thing I put down is... The problem that David had to solve had got this far because Saul wasn't doing his job. 
Saul was the leader of Israel. Saul was the king. Uh, Physically, he was bigger than everybody else, but that's not what matters. He was God's representative. He should have had the kind of faith that little boy David had. The first day that big ugly Goliath stepped out there and started cursing God, Saul should have said, whoa, whoa, who does this guy think he is that he can get away with that? But instead, he was dismayed and terrified. He didn't do his job. So it took David to solve the problem 41 days later. Uh, Saul should have been doing his job. Leaders are supposed to do their job. Fourth thing I put down. David's opposition came from within the camp in one sense, but even worse than that, it came from within his own family. Okay? David was ready to handle this. He said, we can't let Goliath get away with this. We've got to deal with it. And who tried to tell him he couldn't? Who tried to tell him that not your, not your job? His own brother from within the camp. Sometimes we get opposition from within the camp or within our own family when we, when we know what's right and we, we set out to do what's right. A lot of times somebody pretty close to us tries to talk us out of it. Uh, I don't know how many of these apply to anybody in here, but I'm guessing some of them apply to somebody. So let's just keep throwing them out here. Uh, next one. David knew whom to fight and whom to ignore. I really like that part of the story. And that's one thing I'd never noticed before. Eliab's giving him all this grief. He's up in his face. What are you doing here? You left sheep. Who's taking care of the sheep? You're just showing off and all that. And David said, what have I done now? And turns around and starts talking to somebody else. He didn't have time to mess with it. There's all kinds of people that want to keep you from doing what you're supposed to do. And Go fight the real problem. Yeah, the real problem is out there on the battle line cursing God. Eliab's not the real problem. He's a problem, but he's not the real problem. So David just didn't have time for that. He knew who he was supposed to fight, and he went and fought him. Okay, next one I put down is David faced this giant by remembering his victories, not by recounting his defeats. Okay? Now, I don't know what David's defeats are. We, we haven't been told any of them, but I'm sure things went wrong. Okay, well, his brothers obviously picked on him, and he probably had a little trouble being the baby brother at home and, and all of that, especially after he got anointed king. I don't know how that went, but he, he took a little grief, I'm sure, but he probably had some other failures of some sort. But whether he did or not, all of us of any age have some failures in our life. When we've got a giant that needs killing, when we're facing a problem, there's two ways we can do that. We can sit down and think of all the times that we got beat. Or we can sit down and think of all the times we've been victorious. Which one did David do? David remembered. He said, God helped me kill the lion and the bear. He got me through that. He'll get me through this. Pretty good lesson for faith walking, I think, is remember 
the victories. Remember the times that God has helped us. Let's recount those. Uh, in fact, I thought while I was thinking about that, uh, why did David take the weapons home? Other than, you know, they're really cool collectibles. Uh, great big sword. <laughs> great big spear. Uh, I don't know if he took the shield or anything else, but he got this stuff home somehow. Probably had to have somebody help him carry it, but he got it home. Uh, what did he take it home for? I would think it would help you have a little faith in the future. Uh, when he was king, if he faced some problems, which he did, he could look over on the wall and say, well, I took that sword and that spear away from a guy nine foot nine, so I can probably handle this one. Okay. Uh, I don't know if they had a trophy room or all this stuff or not, but it would help him remember his victories, I would think. Okay, next thing I put down is Saul's armor didn't fit David. And the lesson of what works for one person might not work for another. Uh, we, we look at somebody and see how they handle something and think, well, i got to do it just like that or I need to be like that. Or we read somebody's book and think, you know, I, I got to handle things just like they say. Or, and not everybody's the same. You may not handle things exactly the same way. In Saul's mind, you can't go out there and fight this giant without some the helmet and the, the armor coat and all of that. David said, no, it's, I, I don't need that. It doesn't fit me. I'll handle it with what my tools are and what my skills are and mainly with God. So I'll handle it my way. So we don't all have to do everything the exact same way. Uh, next to last one. David had to fight Goliath all alone. That would be kind of intimidating, wouldn't it? To walk out from the Israelite line out onto the plain Maybe that's why David ran instead of walked. He wanted to get this thing over with. But that was an amazing thing, and he had to. You know, I mean, that was the challenge. I want one person. Okay. Notice Saul didn't volunteer to help. <laughs> Nobody else volunteered to help. Uh, they were all back there probably loading their camels and thinking about how to get out of here. Uh, but whatever happened, David had to go do it all alone. And he did. He, he was the only one that could whip this giant because he was the only one that had enough faith. Well, there's things in our life that only we can take care of. We got to do it. We, we can get, I don't mean we can't get support and all of that, but eventually we got to deal with it. You, you can't have your support group uh, handle your problems for you. All right, then I thought, how did David look at this? I think this may be the biggest lesson because everybody else looked at Goliath and saw this impossible problem. You know, it dismayed and terrified them. And David looked at it and said, there's no problem. I mean, that's a huge difference. And how did he look at it? Well, uh, think of what David looked at in 1 Samuel 17, verse 37. He said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Yeah, everybody else was looking at Goliath 
And David was looking at God. And he said, Goliath is a big guy. You know, Goliath's tall as that tree, but God's bigger. That's what he focused on. That's what he looked at. Now, I started a list for you of what he could have looked at. He could have looked at the size of the problem. You go back when I described Goliath and his armor and all of that. That is impossible. That's scary. Yeah, he could have sat around and thought about that. He could have thought about the odds against him. He could have taken a public opinion poll among the Israelites and said, how many of you think I can whip this guy? It would have been one vote if David voted himself, but that would have been all. I don't think anybody thought he could do it. The negative advice, he could have got hung up right there when Eliab started picking on him. That could have ended it. But he knew when to cut it off. He said, Eliab, leave me alone. i got giants to fight. Or he could have looked at past defeats if he had any. could have dwelt on all of that, but instead he looked at God. He said, God can handle this. Needs done. God will handle it. He's helped me before. Let's go do it. Uh, in fact, when he told Saul, that was cool. He said, told Saul, he said, nobody should be disturbed about this. Nobody should be upset. that God's going to handle this. So uh, those are, you can make more of a list there. Go and finish the list for me. What he could have looked at, and instead he just looked at God. Uh, I thought of one last illustration. I didn't didn't uh, take time to go get a telescope, but I was thinking about how he looked at it. And then I thought about a telescope, how if you look through one end, things look really big. If you look at through the other end, things look really small. Uh, one end is the faith end. The more faith you got, you look through the big end and out the little end. And the less faith you have, you look out the other end. I don't know, my analogy is not perfect here because there's only two ways to look through a telescope, but there's a continuum in between there, in my brain anyway. But David looked through the telescope the wrong direction, for a telescope anyway, and made Goliath look very, very small. In fact, Goliath was no problem. And I think that'll stick in my head some anyway. When I'm looking at a problem, I might stop and think, which end of the telescope am I looking at this from? The more faith I got, I'll look at it where the problems get smaller. The less faith I have, I'll look at it where the problems get bigger. And people do that. You know, they take a, a problem that isn't that big, and if you sit down and make a list of all the problems and the odds and the negative advice and all that, you can blow that problem up till it's really, really big. Till you can convince yourself that this can't be handled. Well, faith makes you look at through the telescope the the wrong direction, but the the right direction. So uh, maybe that'll stick in your head and get a telescope and put it on your desk to remind you of that. All right, we're done with the fighting giants. We'll be back uh, next time with some more of David's life and see if we can learn some things about faith walking. Uh, if you're here and have been thinking about it and want to begin your walk of faith with God, we'd be happy to help you with that tonight. If you've got some other problem in life you need to pray with the elders about or something tonight, if you need anything, we're going to sing a song of invitation. We invite you to come. Let's stand and sing.